0: So today we're discussing the uh, second chapter in Tanya and this happens to be a very very important chapter of Tanya because it lays down an important foundation to comprehend the whole book of Tanya and for that matter the whole concept of mysticism. And that is where the Alter Rebbe introduces a concept and he says that uh, we discussed last week that we all have two souls and last week we discussed in depth about the uh, animal soul actually two weeks ago and last week we went into a little bit we discussed the godly soul so today we're going to explore what the godly soul is what the godly soul is because the godly soul by the definition just by the name godly right godly Mm -hmm. and it's an eshamah it's a soul so what is the godly soul? so to talk about something of, like the godly soul on a physical level, it's very hard to comprehend. Because you know if you want to talk about a phone, you can describe it. What it's made out of, what its structure is, and so on and so forth. So to describe what a godly soul is, a very hard thing to describe. Because we're physical human beings. We can relate to the physical world. So to, to talk about something, like you said, formless, or spiritual, is very, very hard to relate to. So what is an ashamma, what is a godly soul? And
1: also, with our finite minds
0: correct yes yes correct okay so let's talk about what 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 an Hashem is what an Hashem is so first of all the altar explains and he says that based on the torah that god by of that god blew into the uh, physical uh, human being that he created a soul of life that means it's coming from a blowing god like blew he blew from his essence And he put the soul of life into this human being. So in other words like this. The practicality of it. Three, two, pause. Oh, welcome, welcome.
1: We just started.
0: Just started. Okay, we're talking about Neshama. We just started, we're talking about Neshama. Okay. So back to the question is, what is this Neshama, what is this soul? Okay. So the reality is, that we have a physical body, which we can relate to, and then we have a neshama which we're going to learn about, which we subconsciously know about, and hopefully we'll know more consciously what the neshama is. So for example, when a person um, is hungry, right, so you want to eat, whatever it may be, you want to eat, you want to drink, so the, you eat, you drink, the physical body feels satiated. For so the godly soul doesn't do it. In other words the physical human being and the animal soul is all about physical survival not only physical survival physical existence this physical enjoyment and physical pleasure of life the godly soul by definition it's a part of God so it's survival and it's being alive is a whole different reality than the physical body and the, physical, and the, and the animal soul being alive. And this is what we're gonna to discuss today about this godly soul. So the godly soul, because by definition it's a godly spirit, its nourishment is being close to God. Anything that you can do to bring yourself closer to God, the godly soul is on fire. In a good way. In other words, if you, for example, study Torah, you take out a Chumash, you take out a Mishnah, you take some Talmud, you take some Kabbalah, whatever it may be, and you sit down and you study Torah, try to, try to create a visual, just like if you were hungry, you're thirsty, you drank something, you ate something, oh, you feel satiated. When you sit down and study Torah, your godly soul feels, oh, it's literally being nursed and being fed, and being nurtured, and being well taken care of. When you do a mitzvah, whatever the the mitzvah may be, the 613 to choose from, we know 248 positive, uh, 365 negative. When you do a mitzvah, whether it's putting on tefillin, or keeping kosher, or Shabbat, you are basically feeding your godly soul just like you would be feeding your animal soul that wants to eat a drink. Now again, it's hard for us human beings of physical nature. We know what a jacket is, it's a physical jacket, we put on the jacket. We know we want a drink, we have a cup, and we have water. That's what we can physically relate to. That's what we see and that's what we feel. But the same way that you feed and nurture your, go- your animal soul and your physical body, your godly soul is fed the same way by studying Torah, namely, as we discussed, and doing a mitzvah. When you pray, yeah, true, the physical body, it's boring. Just like for the godly soul, it's boring to sit down and eat. He has no interest in it. So the godly soul, when you take out a prayer book, and you pray, or without a prayer book, you open your heart, like the Rambam writes prayers from your heart. So it's from the heart, or the prayer book, irrelevant how you pray, but when you pray, you are feeding, nurturing, cultivating, and giving true life and sustenance to what? To your godly soul.
1: My, my, my question for you then is like, when I pray, it lightens me and makes me feel better. It feeds me in a different way and gives me more energy than any of the food does. Okay. Yeah, I mean, isn't that what prayer is supposed to do for us? Get us closer to God? But you've satisfied your, your physical by having eaten. If you were starving, no, no, e- even without he, eating. He's talking about no, No, There's no, the no there, there
0: is no question about it that when a person feeds mm-hmm. their godly soul, you're also feeding your animal soul and your physical body too. Now, let's say, for example, you're hungry, right? You can try this. And you take them on, You know, I'm not ready to eat now. Let me go ahead and let me go ahead and pray a little bit. You're not going to be as hungry as afterwards, because when you feed your godly soul, you're also feeding your animal soul and your physical body. There's no question about it. In other words, matter of fact, I, I have a friend of mine who's uh, in Jerusalem, and he has a big outreach center, and he deals with a lot of people that are, uh, you know, returning to Judaism. Jerusalem, we know, is the capital for everyone that wants to return to Judaism. Either you get inspired in Jerusalem, or once you're inspired, you go to Jerusalem. Jerusalem is, is the place, you know, the, the center for the world, for anyone that's looking for God. And he said he found something very interesting is that people that are into spirituality and godliness are usually into physical, uh, in, in, into health, healthy eating. It means that they don't have to eat so much the garbage yes, food and right. the junk food. They eat more the health food and they eat less also. Why? You're not as hungry
1: physically. Exactly.
0: Because what happens is when you just take care of your physical self and you don't take care of your godly self, you're going to have to overdo it because there's still a vacuum. In other words, the bottom line is we have a godly soul. If you don't feed it, you're starving it. So you're going to have this starvation feeling. You're going to try to eat. You're going to try to drink. You're going to try to gamble. Or whatever you're going to do to to fill the hole. It's never going to fill it because you're not dealing with the Godly soul. So what happens when you start yeah. feeling the Godly soul and you, we all feed the go- animal soul because otherwise we'd be dead you
1: could if we forget, need a drink. You eat a drink. To, when you're meditating, you can forget to eat.
0: Correct. But the point is that when you feed your Godly soul, you don't have to feed your animal soul unnecessarily. That's In other words, you're able to feed your animal soul exactly what it needs, no more and no less. And you feed your Godly soul balanced, no more, no less. You know when a person is out of balance, they're not, they're starving their godly soul, they're going to try to make up to it by feeding more their animal soul and hoping and thinking maybe they're going to feel more fuller. It's not going to happen.
1: When I was younger, one of the elders said to me very simply, God abhors a, a vacuum. He will fill it if you allow him to. So when you become hungry, he will fill you.
0: Correct. Correct, okay, so, let's, okay. so let's, let's go on. So the first point is, which is an important point is, that just like we have an animal soul and we have a physical body yeah. that we have to take care of, we have to nurture, we need clothing, we need food, we need rest, we need relaxation, whatever we need to take care of it, the same thing also with the godly soul, we have to take care of just as well, different tools. There's different types of garments, there's different types of food, and there's different types of entertainment that's special and unique for the godly soul. Namely, as we discussed, prayer, Torah study, doing mitzvot, you know, um, the spiritual uh, fabring you know, getting together with other human beings, creating unity, creating love between other, other people, etc. Okay, that is the first point and an important point, that we have a godly soul and we have to feed the godly soul. Now, this godly soul that we have and we have to feed, so we know, generally speaking, what's it called? It's called a neshama. A neshama. Now, a neshama, what does it mean a neshama? So a neshama actually, there's five levels to the neshama. And we're going to go now for a journey into the neshama. What are the five levels to the neshama? So I'm going to give you the names and I'll explain what they are. We'll start from the bottom, we'll go up. Now when we say in general, it's a general rule in mysticism, when we say bottom to the top, or top to the bottom, we're not referring to physical, going from lower to the upper, or from upper to the lower physically, we're reter- referring to different language, and the language meaning bottom means less godliness, and higher means more godliness, more re- lower means godliness is concealed, and higher means God is more revealed. So we're going to start from the bottom of the neshama, what does that mean? Even in the neshama, there's different levels of how much God is revealed. So the lowest level, it's called the nefesh, that's the lowest level of the soul. Above that, and we'll go back and we'll explain each one, is ruach, It means there's more God revealed. Above that is neshama, so even though neshama has a name for the whole package, just like you hear sometimes the term nefesh for the whole package, now we're going into the different levels, is neshama which is a higher level up, then Ruach, uh, the Chaya and then Yechida, five levels. Now, what does that mean five levels? If it's a part of God, what does it mean five levels? The reality is very simple. That true it's a part of God, the only question is how much is revealed. So in the lowest part of the nefesh, what does that correspond to practically in our world? It means like this. In our world, we have something which is called well, there's many levels. For right now, there's something which is called thought, speech, and action. So we're going to talk now about three levels of the soul, not the all five, just three. And these three are actually called uh, the parts of the soul that we can actually internalize, that actually becomes part of us. So the lowest level of soul we said is nefesh, that is basically the action area of our life. In other words, without nefesh, we don't exist, we're dead. So every single person to function, that means to physically get up, to physically move, anything of action that we do, need to do, or that we do, or want to do, has to be infused by nefesh. The nefesh is rolling, you're moving. Nefesh stops rolling, you're stopping to move and you're in trouble. So you gotta make sure the nefesh is always alive. And the nefesh usually gives you, is always like in a dormant state and they have some energy to it. And as you feed the nefesh, then it's more active. So for example, let's say a person's happy, whether it's happiness from a good thing, right? Or from a celebration, what happens to your feet? You start dancing. Why do you all of a sudden start dancing? You weren't dancing five minutes ago. Because the nefesh got infused with with energy and now the feet start moving. So the lowest level is called what? It's called nefesh. That moves us physically. Then there's something which is called (coughs) our speech. And that comes from ruach. When a person basically, his ruach is fired up of his soul, so his speech is much more developed, he's much more open, he's much more expressive, uh, he shears more, right? That means his ruach is going. It means we have a higher infused level of a soul. When the summer's is on fire, then not only is your action godly and holy and excited and motivated, not only is your speech healthy and expressive and positive, But here is extremely important, your thoughts. Your thoughts are holy and godly. In other words, if you can get the neshama rolling, which we'll talk about soon, how do you do that? If you can get your your thoughts, and we know that action, for example, you can choose to move, not to move. Speech, you can choose to share, not to share. But thoughts are always, you're always thinking. So if you're not going to proactively get your neshama on fire, To have godly thoughts, to be in a godly space, who knows where your thoughts are going to be? Bad, negative, who knows? We don't know. Danger zone. But it's working. You can't shut it off. The only thing you can do with your thoughts is one thing. You can't shut it off. There's no, there's no shutter valve. There's only a directional valve. You can shoot it towards, well, naturally go to negativity and, you know, laziness and so on and so forth. You can, you can direct it to what? Godly thoughts, healthy thoughts, positive thoughts, empowering, inspiring, and so on and so forth. So that's the power that you have with your thought, but that's only, you can do that when your nishama is is on on, on fire. That is one level, which is machshava diva your thought, speech, and action, which is affected by your your godly soul. Now, then there's another level within us, and that is our intellect, our emotions and our actions, our functions. In other words, what happens like this, when we feed our godly soul, again whether it's prayer, Torah study, mitzvot, the goal is that our godly soul, the nefesh should be alive, godly, in a godly level, the ruach, and the neshama, right? So how do, you, how do you know, or what happens when you feed your nefesh, that it should be godly, then where do you go to? You go to do a mitzvah, you go to shul, you're walking in a healthy way, in a happy way. Your whole movement is a godly movement.
1: Joyful. Joyful. Staying in the moment.
0: Staying in, you see it in the footsteps. In the now. You see it in the footsteps. Then you have your emotions. Now what is your emotions practically in the spiritual world, in the godly world? In Hebrew it's called ava and yira, love and awe. Now, what does law of an all mean? Practically, to your emotions. In other words, are you in love with God? As the Ramah writes, what's love for God? And he gives a comparison from a relationship with husband and wife, that you're constantly thinking about God. What can I do to develop that loving, positive relationship with God? What else can I do for God? How can I serve serve God? You're, uh, You're in awe of God. Wow, God created this world. God created me. God created you, God created everything. He gives us ear to breathe. Everything. So what happens when you start feeling God and godliness? What happens to your emotions? They start being alive. You start living in a real way. You become a real human being emotionally. That's what's called spiritually your ruach. Comes from wind. Your wind is blowing in a real powerful godly way. That means the neshama then your, your ruach of your neshama is alive. What's the next level above that? Today we're going to talk about three levels. We're not going to go into Chay today, but What's the level of neshama? Neshama is where your intellect lies. What does that mean, your intellect lies? We all know that the most powerful, even though we live in our emotions, but our emotions are directed with our intellect. That means if we have a clear vision, if we have a clear purpose, if we have clarity in our mind, guess what? We automatically do the right things. We automatically say the right things. We automatically love God. And we don't love what's counted to godliness. We're in awe of God. We're not in awe of, of, of narishkeit of things which are not important, not and so on and so forth. We're not distracted. So, ego. right. So, in other words, so it's not intellectual comprehension like you're studying something you study. You have a godly intellect. You Your intellect views things from a Godly perspective. An insight. Insight is a good word. You have Godly insight into things. A Godly vision, but through the channel of intellect. So, you have a question, it's very clear, this is what God wants. Not from your own ideas, but from what it says in the Chumash, and the Mishnah, and the Talmud, and the Code of the Jewish Law, and so on and so forth. Now, what's the essence, basically, of the life of the Neshama? on all these levels, whether it's action, speech and thought, or action, emotions and intellect, is that the goal of the neshama is, it feels great and operates the best when it is connected to God. When it's connected to God, then it operates the best. So the neshama wants one thing. Very simple, wants one thing. Exactly, it wants to be connected to God. It wants to cleave to God. It's all that cares. That's what, just like a, a person, let's say, for example, on the animalistic side. I'm not talking bad or negative. On the animalistic soul or the physical body, you wanna go eat, for example, let's say a good uh, dinner. Whether it's a steak dinner or if you're a vegetarian, some kind of, you know, a nice mushroom, whatever it may be, right? <laughs> whatever, whatever you like, right? And you have this physical passion, right? To eat a uh, nice, right, a nice vegetarian mushroom, right? Or a nice steak, whatever, whatever you like, or some sushi, correct? So you have the, and you dream about it all day at work, and you can't wait to come home or go out to eat in your favorite restaurant, right? You ever had, anyone ever had these thoughts? Probably nobody here, right? Yeah. <laughs> we all have, huh? So you have these thoughts all day, you can't wait to come home to Dancing have dinner.
1: Images of broccoli in your head. There you go, okay, there you go. Got it, got it. Right,
0: you got it? So, huh? Lamb chops. Lamb chops. Whatever it may be. No, I, by the way, it's good. Think about this. Because you'll see the way the animal soul operates. And you'll see the way the physical body operates. When it wants something, guess what? It thinks about it and it makes sure it gets it. And it doesn't go to sleep until it doesn't get it.
1: Power a positive thought.
0: Absolutely. But on the other hand, so now let's look at, from the godly soul's perspective, what does he think about? I can't wait to pray. Right? I I can't wait for that cleaving moment to be with God.
1: Can't wait to get to Tanya class. I
0: can't wait to get to a Tanya class. I can't wait to go do a mitzvah. I can't wait to visit this woman that hasn't been a visitor in three weeks, she's home in bed. Or do grocery shopping for somebody. Whatever the mitzvah may be. I can't wait to sit down, like you said, Tanya class, whatever the class may be. This, so just like, I mean literally, the same amount of energy that's flowing when you want to have that dinner or you want to go play that game of golf, or you want to take your uh, family vacation, which again, these are not bad things, these are things that you need to live. We're not talking even bad here, but you have like a certain energy that you can't wait to do it, and you think about it, and you talk about it, and how much money you're willing to spend on it, right? That, and even more so, does the godly soul want to be close to God. And just like, you you can, I don't have to question, you all know how you, yearn and how you're gonna feel before you do it and once you do it. It feels great, right? And you relish in the moment. That's the same way the godly soul feels. Now it's hard for us to comprehend it because we're physical human beings. We can relate more to a nice good dinner, right? Maybe a bottle of wine, a nice old bottle of red wine, maybe a bottle of scotch, for those that like scotch. right? Whatever, whatever your fancies and pleasures are, that is the same passion that the godly soul has and yearns for, twenty-four-seven.
1: And yet, and when you do that, it even fills you more than that dinner or that because it's a feeling that you cleave to and you want again and again and again once you've reached there. It, it it's it's a driving force in your life. Well, there's no satiation point. It's no. Boundless. Yeah. It's infinite.
0: Um. And no yes. Aftertaste. Yes. <laughs> yes. It is infinite. <laughs> no. Yes.
1: And no what? No, he's right. No
0: aftertaste. No hangover. It's just
1: yeah.
0: etc. You don't need a prescription You don't need. It doesn't cost money.
1: <laughs>
0: and guess what? The pleasure that you can get mm. from yearning and cleaving to God is by far you cannot compare to any physical pleasure that exists in this world. That's a reality. Ask anyone that, so to speak, as a bal tshuva, someone that lived a life of, you know, the materialistic pursuit and found God and godliness, they can tell you, because they were on both sides of the fence, they'll tell you there's nothing in this world that's more pleasurable than sitting down and studying some Torah, praying, or doing a mitzvah. Yikbel. It's, be, it's not even like a all comparison. Is all is vanity. All is, exactly, as King Solomon said, it's all is vanity. vanity. And it's, it's true. Gone. It's gone. So the thing is, that your, everyone's godly soul yearns to feed that yearning how often? 24-7. And the more often you, you yearn that, and the more often you feed that, the godly soul feels great, and guess what happens? It infiltrates... Into your whole being,
1: it, it becomes exponential.
0: Makes you laugh. It Makes you, you laugh. Makes you really happy.
1: It becomes exponential, <laughs> but then in turn, that godly soul feeds other godly souls.
0: Absolutely, the sky's the limit. Okay, no,
1: that's not it's the limit. It's contagious.
0: <sighs> right. Okay. So now, so we know what the godly soul is. We know that the godly soul wants to and needs to be fed, just like the physical animal soul and the, your physical body wants and needs to be fed. We know that, depending on how much you feed it, and in other words, depending on how much you feed it, whether Torah, or prayer, or doing mitzvot, it will affect you in a way that your literally your soul that affects your movement, physical movement will change, your movement will change, your physical behavior will change, it will affect you in your speech, the way you talk. It will affect you in your emotions, your love and all for God. It will affect you in your thought, in your intellect, in your clarity of vision and purpose in life. And you'll be living a real human being that's alive on the spiritual level. Listen, alive on the physical level, I guarantee you don't have to worry about anybody. Everybody will eat, everybody will drink, and no one's dying. We have Thank God plenty of materialistic uh, needs in this world. But spiritually, that, when you feed that, now you're living on both levels. Okay. So, here is the big question. How do we feed this godly soul? In other words, like this. Obviously, we spoke about prayer, we spoke about Torah study, and we spoke about doing mitzvot, but and that's all, that's all good. That's all important. But now the real question, let's say you, you need like a, a boost. You, know, you open up the prayer book, it's not moving. It's not moving. You take out a, uh, some study, you try to study Torah, you're sitting there, but you're not, you're not being moved. It's like a blockage. You do mitzvah, but it's like cold. You still do it because you believe eventually it will kick in. What can you do to really jumpstart the battery? So the author comes along and he says something which is very, very profound and very, very powerful and he says like this. The altar says, okay, the author says like this. I'll give you an example. If you have a beautiful car, nice car, nice model, right, the electric windows, leather seats, <coughs> air conditioning, right, Bluetooth, everything. All the bells and whistles. Sunroof, right, if you're living in Florida. All the bells and whistles. <laughs> and you come to the car and you want to start the car, and guess what, it doesn't start. Mm. Now in Florida it's very common, batteries go dead every couple of years, <laughs> right? Batteries dead. Now it's not totally dead, it's, uh, but it's not strong enough to start your car. So what do you do? Pray. You pray, pray. that your friend comes. Pray. You either call AAA or you call your friend, and he brings his car. AAA brings a ba- you know a nice po- powered up battery, and they put cables from one battery to the other, right. and they put the cables. All of a sudden, it gets warmed up. You start it, car starts. Takes off the cables, you go for a drive, and it continues every time you need to start it, it starts. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yes,
1: that's what God has to do.
0: For Isn't it. that amazing? Yes. In other words, you, you battery was, was, was dead. It wasn't it wasn't starting. You got a boost. And and the car works, and now you can start without a boost. What happened? The answer is very simple. Your battery was low on juice, low on energy, it got a boost from someone that was full of energy, and guess what? It revived itself. So why? Because the battery wasn't really dead, it went down, it didn't have enough energy to start the car. It started the car. Once it started the car, it got itself, you know, going again. The alternator gives it it juice. So the altruism says the same thing also with us. We each have a godly soul. That means we can live an inspired life, thought, speech and action, our intellect and our emotions and our action. But, sometimes, our battery is weak. So what happens when your battery is weak? The altruism is very simple. Call Triple call AAA. Or call a good friend that has a good battery. In other words, what does it mean practically? Go to someone that's inspired.
1: Like your rabbi.
0: Like your rabbi. That's a good idea. You go to your rabbi. Go to the Rebbe, the leader of the generation who has a fired up battery, a fired up spiritual soul. Plug yourself into him. You know, go for a Shabbos. And he, go to the Rebbe. And
1: when you plug yourself into somebody like that, it actually rejuvenates them too. Yes. We're, yes.
0: True. But, we're not, but let's stay focused. Go to them for a Shabbos hang out in their synagogue a little. So even though you're not inspired, just like that battery that was almost dead, got fired up, you can get fired up as well.
1: The healer is healed too, is what you're saying.
0: So in other words, what happens if you, you're like totally, you feel like, show up in synagogue. Show up at the class, do the mitzvah. The mitzvah, the synagogue, the rabbi, the rebbe has the power not consciously or directly, just by being there, all of a sudden you're going to get fired up. And it works. Just like it doesn't make sense how the battery works, same thing also. It doesn't make sense why it works, but it works. Why? Because there are certain souls that are on fire and have so much fire that if you take from their fire, it doesn't diminish their fire. And now you're back on fire, and guess what? Tomorrow you can be someone else's fire, that someone else needs the fire. It
1: increases their fire.
0: Pass it on. <laughs> Pass it on is right. Here, so Here comes the al law and says, very, very simple, that ultimately, if we want to live a real godly life, we have to shift engines from the animalistic engine to the godly engine. In other words, you can expect to live a godly and spiritual life when the cables are connected to the physical engine. If you think you're going to get spiritual energy from physical food or from materialistic pursuits, it's not going to happen. You'll be a nice guy, you're physically alive, moving around the world, doing stuff, but if you want to be spiritually alive, if you want to be plugged into God, you have to connect and develop a relationship with your Godly soul. And the more you develop the relationship with the Godly soul, by prayer, by Torah study, by doing mitzvot, your Godly soul will lighten up, starting from literally physical activity, and as you walk around, will see somebody that's a Godly human being. There's a big difference between the way a regular human being walks, he's physically walking, he's alive. But then there's a difference between a godly human being is walking, he's not only physically walking, he's spiritually walking, he's spiritually alive. There's a difference between a a person talks, hey listen, thank God we can speak. But there's a difference when you're talking divinely inspired talk, and there's a difference when you're you're thinking divinely inspired thoughts. There's no room for negativity. There's no room for hatred and animosity. You're nice and kind to everybody. You want to make the world a better place. Because that's what God wants from you.
1: And peace will come.
0: There's, when a person, his emotions, his love and all for God, if it's Godly inspired, it's a whole different reality. His intellect, he has clear vision. So where does the power come from? And the alphabet gives one key point here. And this is the key point. Key point is, ultimately, where does the Rebbe, the rabbi, have this tremendous power? And the answer is, he doesn't. Because it's not his power. It's God's power. Ultimately, ultimately, the way to get the godly power, don't do anything. Just allow God to live through you. Be the channel. Be the channel. Then they, then in Hebrew, in, he, in Hebrew it's called, in Hebrew it's called bitel, yeah. which is humility. When a person practices humility, what's, throwing, what's flowing through you? Uh, godly yes. wisdom, godly inspiration, godly ideas. And then it's very, very simple. So when a person connects to a rabbi, to a, rabbi, to a synagogue, to a Torah class, really what you're doing is, you're humbling yourself, you getting all your thoughts and ideas out of the way, and you're able to be a vessel that's able to study and learn and it's, it's so simple, it's hard. Yeah. Correct.
1: It's simple, but it's difficult. Uh, get the ego out of the way.
0: Correct. <laughs> mm-hmm. Get the ego out of the way is half the job. The ego? You mean like the bird? But yeah. now, once you get it out of the way, you, no. you, have to bring in, no. you have to bring in God, and you have to bring in godliness.
1: And there's part of that ego that's as godly that you must have to inspire yourself correct I mean, that, I mean,
0: so just to uh, just to uh, just to uh, just just to finish off with this approach we can all benefit to live godly inspired 24 hours a day seven days a week and it can penetrate us on all levels yep. But, don't, but, But you have to remember, if you're not using your godly soul, it's not going to work. You have to activate your godly soul, which we all have, and you have to make godly, your godly soul the reality in your life. And the godly soul, it's like, you said it's, it's, simple, it's so simple. There's one, one thing the godly soul wants, it wants to get close to God. And by definition, in order to be close to God, you can't be so close to yourself. And the minute you let go of what you want, you say, hey, what does God want from me? What's God's message here? Surrender. You're automatically a vessel to receive, God, receive God's message and God's light, and you live a beautiful life that's inspired by God and godliness. And that is why this chapter of Tanya is literally like the basis for the whole Tanya. It sets
1: the because foundation.
0: it sets the foundation of a total perspective and vision that once you accept the fact oh my gosh, I have to switch over gears to the godly soul. Now I'll be a vessel for everything else that we're going to learn as we go through the book of Tanya.